Airhaven. It was one of the most famous towns of the whole Traction era, and when the warble of its homing beacon came over the radio that evening, Tom went racing forward to the flight deck. He met Hester in the companionway outside the sick bay, tousled and sleepy and limping. Anna Fang had done her best with the wounded leg, but she hadn't improved the girl's manners. She hid her face when she saw Tom, and only glared and grunted when he asked her how she felt. On the flight deck, the aviatrix turned to greet them with a radiant smile. Look, my dears, she said, pointing ahead through the big windows. Airhaven. They went and stood behind her seat and looked, and far away across the sea of clouds they saw the westering sun glint on a single tier of lightweight alloy and a nimbus of brightly coloured gas bags. Long ago, the town of Airhaven had decided to escape the hungry cities by taking to the sky. It was a trading post and meeting place for aviators now, drifting above the hunting ground all summer, then flying south to winter in warmer skies. Tom remembered how it had once anchored over London for a whole week, how the sightseeing balloons had gone up and down from Kensington Gardens and Circle Park, and how jealous he had been of people like Melephant, who were rich enough to take a trip in one and come back full of stories about the floating town. Well, he was going there himself, and not just as a sightseer either. What a story he would be able to tell the other apprentices when he got home. Slowly the airship rose towards the town, and as the sun dipped behind the cloud banks in the west, Miss Fang cut her engines and let her drift in towards a docking strut, while harbour officers in sky-blue livery waved multicoloured flags to guide her safely to her berth. Behind them the dock was crowded with sightseers and aviators, and even a little gaggle of airship spotters, who dutifully jotted down the Jenny Hanover's number in their, in their notebooks as the mooring clamps engaged. A few moments later, Tom was stepping out into the twilight and the chill, thin air, gazing at the airships coming and going. Elegant highliners and rusty scows, trim little air cutters with see-through envelopes and tiger-striped spice freighters from the Hundred Islands. Look, he said, pointing up at the rooftops, there's the floating exchange. And that church is St Michael's in the sky. There's a picture of it in the London Museum. But Miss Fang had seen it many, many times before and Hester just scowled at the crowds on the quayside and hid her face. Uniformed dockhands appeared, grinning at Miss Fang, but staring suspiciously at her new groundling friends. They checked that the newcomers had no metal toe caps on their boots or lighted cigarettes about their persons, then led them back to the harbour office where huge, crudely lettered notices insisted, no smoking, turn off all electrics, and make no sparks. Sparks were the terror of the air trade because of the danger that they might ignite the gas in the airship's envelopes. In Airhaven, even over-vigorous hairbrushing was a serious crime, and all new arrivals had to sign strict safety agreements and convince the harbourmaster that they were not likely to burst into flames. At last they were allowed up a metal stairway to the high street. Airhaven's single thoroughfare was a hoop of lightweight alloy deck plates lined with shops and stalls, chandleries, cafes and airship men's hotels. Tom turned around and around, trying to take everything in and make sure he would remember it forever. He saw turbines whirling on every rooftop and mechanics crawling like spiders over the huge engine pods. The air was thick with the exotic smells of foreign food, and everywhere he looked there were aviators, striding along with the careless confidence of people who had lived their whole life in the sky, their long coats fluttering behind them like leathery wings.
Miss Fang pointed along the curve of the high street to a building with a sign in the shape of an airship. That's the gas bag and gondola, she told her companions. I'll buy you dinner and then we'll find a friendly captain to take you back to London. They strode towards it, the aviatrix in the lead, Hester hiding from the world behind her upraised hand, Tom still looking about in wonder and thinking it a pity that his adventures would soon be over. He didn't notice a goshawk 90 circling among a shoal of larger vessels, waiting for a berth. Even if he had, he would not have been able to read its registration numbers at this distance or see that the insignia on its envelope was the red wheel of the Guild of Engineers.